Hello and welcome to the first in a series of Collier's podcasts recorded as the COVID-19 lockdown restrictions are easing in the UK. Speaking during the first week that non-essential shops were able to reopen after three months of COVID-19 lockdown, our head of retail agency in London, Paul Suber, talks to Jace Tyrrell, CEO of the New West End Company. They discuss the community spirit that has emerged throughout this crisis and how the West End plans to attract UK residents back to the area over the summer and into Christmas and the new year. They also touch on the longer term strategic aims for the area. Over to Paul and Jace. I'm joined today by Jace Tyrrell, the CEO of the New West End Company. Uh, For our listeners, the New West End Company is a business partnership of international retailers, restaurateurs, hoteliers and property owners in the world's top shopping and leisure destination, which of course is the West End. Jace has been the CEO for the last five years. He's driven the strategy and he represents London on the global global stage. Welcome, Jace, and thanks for agreeing to be interviewed for what I'm sure you'll find is a very, very light grilling compared to your regular media work. (laughs) Very happy to be here. And it's nice to be back in the West End this week as well. Absolutely. Have you have you been into the West End? Uh, I'm assuming you have. I think you live in the West End, don't you? <laughs> well, I moved out a couple of years ago, but otherwise I've been so over about a decade. But we, we found a bit more West with a bit of greenery as well. But yeah, we have been back. I mean, a lot in the last couple of weeks, obviously, is reopening, but uh, in and out for the last 12 weeks. And, you know, extraordinary, extraordinary scenes, which I hope we'll never have to see again. But life is coming back. And it was so nice just to see colleagues and people coming back and some life back in the West End and and long may it continue on this road on recovery. Absolutely. Um, Before we we move on to talking about the really big themes facing London retail, um, I I wondered if it'd be okay to ask you a few personal questions and and whether you would mind telling us a bit about yourself. You've obviously got a really great media presence. Um, I think it's fair to say in our industry, you've become the face of London's West End. Um, But Maybe you could give us a bit of insight into the career path that, that brought you here today. Like Desert Island Disc with Colliers, which is great. <laughs> what my island is. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually grew up in Australia. I think I've lost the accent working in W1 for too long with all the agents of the West End. But um, I think uh, my initial degree was constitutional law, uh, which is very dry. <laughs> and actually, oh my goodness. I got a couple of years into that and thought, actually, no, I'm going to be a journalist and save the world uh, <laughs> in my early 20s. And I thought, that's not going to pay me enough, actually, for the life I'd like to have. So I decided to uh, do business degree and, and lobbying primarily, so uh, sort of advocacy work. Uh, I had some really interesting roles in Australia before I came to the UK. So I worked at the Olympics uh, in 2000, which is forever ago. Uh, and and what, what, in what, what sense? What did you do? I was looking after all the media from around the world that wanted to cover the great Australian uh, non-sport story. So why you should come and visit Australia, basically. Uh, but it was an extraordinary time. We didn't have social media then. So everything was faxing, if you remember those days. <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> all too well. Posting press releases, all sorts of things. But, uh, and then I worked for some of South Bank Corporation, which was a big lend-lease development. It was the first man-made beach uh, in, a, in Brisbane, in Australia. And it became a massive uh, sort of $40 billion 10-year master plan of of the whole area. So it was terrific to work with that and sort of transform an entire area. Then brought me over to London. uh, And my first job was actually in Harrods. (laughs) Was uh, Was it really? (laughs) Working in the media team and comms team there. 
And I remember the Boxing Day sales. I'd never seen anything like it actually in Australia. So that was my sort of venture into retail at the sharp end of being on the shop floor on Boxing Day, supporting the team. Prob probably also a bit of snow. Yes, and it was the first time I'd seen snow. You're quite <laughs> right. And it was, uh, I remember calling up my parents going, it's snowing and marvelous uh, from a boy from the outback. Um, and then sort of worked uh, through various agencies in London in lobbying and then sort of landed at New West End Company. And at that time, uh, it was being set up and Blue Water was our biggest competition and then the world's moved on a lot. Uh, I had a stint with the Westminster City Property Associations, which was great to get into real estate in the capital and, and understand more of the sort of planning policy world. Uh, but I think my heart is in retail and the customer. So it was great to become the chief exec, you know, five years ago. And obviously... Uh, a lot's happened in the five years that I'm sure we're going to come on to. Uh, but yeah. I, think I have one of the best jobs in the world. I mean, it's such a privilege to represent this bit of London and the diversity of the interest and the players. And uh, it's a real family, genuinely, you know, and, and I miss that. So uh, that's where I am. And uh, long may the job, the job, and also the West End continue. Absolutely. And, and I think I can speak on behalf of as being, you know, we're you know, colleagues as, as a member, but also getting to know you personally over the years. You know, you, you really have been a, a phenomenal advocate for London. And, and um, right now, you know, that's exactly what we need more than, more than ever. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, the lockdown has taught us a lot about, you know, how we live, work, um, what we miss when our freedom of movement is curtailed. Um, for you personally, if you had to pick a few lasting impressions or lessons of the lockdown, um, what might they be? First of all, I can't make banana bread, nor can my other half. <laughs> <laughs> That's gone out the window. <laughs> um, I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Just how we got onto technology. I'm sure everyone's talking about this, aren't they? But I even look back, you know, I was on a call earlier with the team today and, and we were fumbling around 12 weeks ago trying to sort Zoom and Teams and everything out, and just how quick we can adapt when we need to, right? Uh, and how sort of it feels almost second nature now to jump on a Zoom and have a chat with someone, a colleague at work, or, or even family and friends. Um, I've really missed the gym and the outdoors. I know, Paul, we've talked about fitness and life turning a certain age, haven't we, in the past? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what I'm calling it at the moment? I'm calling it the Corona Stoner. And um, for those of you who know me will know that that's talking about weight gain, not something else. And uh, I, I, I keep seeing all these people saying, oh, I've lost weight. I've been exercising. I've done, you know, half marathons, marathons. And I'm thinking, I, I just don't understand how they've managed to achieve it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm comfort eating. Yes. Uh, you and I both, and I think a lot of us. Um, but I think, you know, it was great even just being out the last couple of weeks. Uh, you realise how much you miss people, although we can't obviously get closer than two metres at the moment to most people. Uh, so that's been quite profound, actually, like that sense of wanting to be together with, with people. And, um, yeah, I think you realise what you don't have when you don't have it, don't you? So without going too much on a sort of philosophical route there, it really sort of came through over this lockdown period. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I suppose, um, I think the thing that I, I've really appreciated, and I probably, you know, it's a very obvious thing to say, but um, it, re it really came home to me over, over, over the last, um, you know, few months, is how connected we all are. Um, you know, it, 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 it's really self-evident that everything is like a jigsaw piece, and, and actually you need the whole thing to, to work together, and I, I, I probably hadn't truly appreciated that uh, prior to the crisis. I think that's probably the learning for me is, you know, we all depend on each other. 
Yeah. We have our, our whole purpose at MWAG, and it sounds a bit corporate, but it isn't, it's genuine, is we are better together for good. And good being for long term, but also good things happen when we come together, you know, in whatever form that is, a bit what you're saying there, you know, that actually we need to, humans and people need to come together to solve some big challenges, and, but actually just to socialise and for health benefits and all that. So I think there's a sharp reawakening, isn't there, for everyone, of, of, of people <laughs> and actually getting together. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... You know, I guess one of the undoubted positives uh, of the past three months um, or so, it's been, it's been, you know, we just touched upon it really, community spirit. Um, can you give a few examples of, of how that might have manifested itself in the West End? Yeah, I mean, I genuinely was absolutely struck by sort of the, the very smallest of the very biggest acts of sort of kindness and support that we saw, you know, literally in the first couple of weeks, uh, getting on calls with some of our members, and these are big, big global brands, you know, the, the Burberrys, the Vuittons, uh, you know, John Lewis and Partners, they, they literally within days, is what can we do locally? You know, how can we support the NHS? How can we support, for us in Westminster, we have really deprived pockets in Westminster, you know, in, in central London. And this desire to do whatever they could, even through their people, through their companies, through their production lines, and it was really genuine. And we, we had loads of calls in saying what, what's happening locally in central London, how can we get involved? Westminster Council, which is our local council, was sprung into action because they've got a lot of vulnerable residents. So I was really struck locally there was a lot of initiatives. But if you look, you know, what happened around the world, and we, we did a little video actually last week of just some of the really big initiatives also. But it was the Burberry factory, you know, repurposing for, for gowns. Uh, Louis Vuitton did a lot in that space. And I, and I remember this uh, call with... Um, was the president of LV for Europe and he, he was so proud of this video of how they turned their factory and he really wanted to show us and and it was great actually and that sort of human kindness and even coming back uh, we've spoken to a lot of the frontline teams who have come back to work security the shop staff and um, you know they're all really proud of that outreach and I hope you know one of the benefits of this is some of that is genuine you know we just talk about it it's genuine and we continue you know we continue that outreach and that support the other thing is the homelessness, which I'm sure working in W1, we all see that problem and uh, the desire to help and really support the vulnerable people. And obviously during the lockdown, a lot of them being housed, about 90% in the West End were actually put into accommodation, which is really terrific. That's amazing. Uh, I didn't really, know that. And really, you know, awfully it took a pandemic to really have some really significant action in that space. Uh, and I hope that now they have been put into some accommodation, we can continue with that and support them. And we're not going to see a lot of them returning because actually they've got a lifeline now literally to support them. So, you know, really small things happening in central London. And I'm sure it's happening up and down the country and around the world. Property industry, retail leisure, hospitality. I mean, the hoteliers, um, I think it's Claridge's, the Maybourne Group, they turned all of their rooms over for the NHS. So, you know, it was extraordinary acts of kindness and support, which probably none of us have really seen outside of a major event like a war before or something like that. So, yeah, really, really inspiring. Yeah, very, very inspiring. And, and I guess for me, you know, it dawned on me when I went out for the first time to go and get some grocery shopping. And, you know, I've, I really appreciated, you know, the lady behind the till and um, you know, the frontline workers have you know, in some ways, in my mind, have become like the fourth emergency service. And they've put themselves at risk, certainly very early on in the crisis, when we weren't quite sure about how it spread and, you know, safe distance and all that sort of stuff. And they were there working day after day, uh, keeping us fed and watered. And I think, you know, I, it, you know, I think the same, you can be said for all the delivery drivers, the bus drivers, the transport, 
just been amazing that they have shown incredible resilience and put themselves at risk for the greater good. And like you say, if that if that's the longer term lasting um, uh, output of this, it will be it will be be magnificent. Right, and I think the retail staff, and if you're coming back into the West End, you might have seen it already, um, the listeners, uh, that we've covered the West End with thank you to our heroes, because they are heroes, you know, those team members who are on the front line at Waitrose, at Boots, at M&S, you know, the security personnel, the facilities managers, the list goes on, doesn't it, of those people that really put themselves out right through the pandemic and the lockdown, the initial three months. Uh, and really, we just, huge shout out to the heroes of the West End, but the heroes of the front line. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we'll continue to see that. But it's great that we were able to acknowledge them in a small way, literally by dressing the streets, Bond Street, Oxford Street and Regent Street with a huge shout out uh, and a thank you to them. Yeah, I've, I've seen all the flags. It's, uh, you know, absolutely right to, uh, to, to applaud all of those people. Um, I just wanted to ask you as, as, as effectively CEO of, of NWEC, um, what the, what's been really genuinely the, the biggest challenges you faced as an organisation during, during lockdown? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a small team. We're about, you know, 20, 25. Uh, and like all companies, we had to make decisions on our cash flow and our position as a not-for-profit. And we had to put about 70% of the team on furlough. Uh, and they were tears, actually, you know, all around. It was really tough. You know, we've all had to make decisions, haven't we, in our own businesses. Uh, and when you have a small team, you know, it is, uh, that is challenging. But I think um, everyone was very stoic, you know, and we're looking forward to getting our colleagues back. Uh, in, in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but I think that that personal experience, and as we went through the last three months, the, yeah, you talked about, I think your pets and your children in equal measure, Paul. Uh, <laughs> the, Don't tell them. <laughs> the, home, the home balance of family time and balancing that. And I've seen it firsthand with colleagues, you know, coming on calls. We've all had to deal with that. So I think we've all become a bit kinder and a bit more human in recognising you know, some of those challenges. And I think that's going to continue and that's great. And I, I really feel sort of anyone in a leadership role with people that we need to really understand that. And the shift is being pronounced. And I, and I hope, again, we can be kinder to our colleagues and understand there's different dynamics uh, are going on. Yeah, it was interesting. Yesterday we had a uh, Collier's webinar um, and uh, there was a moment when one of the, the, the panellists' daughter walked into the room uh, the, the panelists didn't really lose their, their their train of thought, but could definitely feel that there's someone in the room behind them. And it was a, it was that sort of moment of uh, humanity and all the feedback we had, every single person mentioned the fact that it was absolutely uh, delightful to see, uh, you know, his, his young daughter walk in, realize yeah. that daddy was on a pretty important phone call and ought yeah. to really walk out again very quietly, but it was a lovely moment. Um, just moving on to uh, back, if you if you like back to business you you've collab collaborated enormously with westminster on the retail reopening program um can you tell us how that helps us get back to retailing yeah i mean it reminded me going through the last couple of months of the olympics in london uh and you know there's this great sort of collaboration across the you know, public private sector business all different groups. We had to get London to operate really differently that summer, if you remember. And wasn't it terrific? We had the best weather I think we've had apart from this summer, actually. Um, so I think, you know, for every conversation from secretaries of state to ministers, to the council, to the police, to TfL, to all of our businesses, uh, there's been a real desire to get this reopening right. And for it to be safe, obviously, is, is top priority. 
but also just to give some confidence back to obviously colleagues coming back to work, uh, but also consumers and customers. Uh, so obviously the lifeblood of retail and hospitality is, is customers. And, you know, we needed to make sure that what happened this week uh, was done in a safe way, that every bit was pulling together. And this isn't easy, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic that has huge operational uh, consequences. If you think about social distancing and getting a tube network to, to work that actually, you know, it's a mass transport system, buses and tube in central London, and a lot of our colleagues and customers need it. So dealing with the transport, dealing with all the social distancing measures the retailers need to have in their businesses uh, to really open up safely. And then what we did is think about the public realm and the streets and working with the big property owners, so the Crown Estate, Grosvenor, Shaftesbury, Portman, uh, Howard de Walden, to make sure the actual public realm was working safely uh, for colleagues and customers. It's only week one, so you know we're gonna get stuff right, we might get some stuff wrong, but certainly there was a desire from all of the public agencies, Westminster Council have been really terrific on this, uh, with TfL and the Mayor's Office and others, just to really find solutions to some really challenging problems and actually get these businesses back open safely and get them trading. And I think the next sort of milestone in this will be in a couple of weeks time when hopefully hospitality can start to reopen uh, the restaurants, the bars. And we've been advocating really strongly to have outdoor trading and seating. There's some good announcements this week on that. But, you know, the ecology yeah. of the West End works when all of it comes together and operates, not just the retail. So, you know, we've got some tough months ahead, as you know, but we're, we're all trying to find solutions and point in the right direction. And, and um, clearly right now we, we've got an absence of international visitors, it's very obvious. Um, so we've got to pivot and we've got to, you know, get the domestic shoppers coming into London. How do we woo them? How do we bring them back? Yeah, I mean, I think it's irony, isn't it? You know, we, we love big crowds in, in retail and city centres, but actually, you know, we're probably dealing with 80% fewer visitors for the next three or four months. You know, we're not going to have the tourists uh and internationally particularly we're not going to have the office workers back in a meaningful way so for, we, our message to londoners is you'll never have a west end or a summer like it so get out and support the west end uh, you're never going to have the alfresco dining with all these relaxations on planning and licensing so again get out and support support this area uh and then you're right as we get into autumn christmas and hopefully the confidence is is rebuilding with customers uh the domestic market not everyone's gonna be able to holiday overseas and, and everyone loves the Christmas and the West End Christmas particularly. So we're gonna work really hard to obviously attract uh, UK visitors to London this Christmas. And then next year, we hope the internationals will start coming back. And for us, you know, the Middle East and China is about 60% of our international spend. They're very, very high spenders uh, on and very high valuable you know, to our area. So we hope for Chinese New Year 21, we can start to see some of our Chinese visitors back here. And then 21 will be the year to really start recovering. But you know, it's going to be a year like no other. I'm not going to use the, the U word, <laughs> which I've been banned on this podcast. Uh, but certainly we're going to have to be flexible with different, different customers. But our big message this summer is London has come out and enjoy the West End like you've never seen it before. Um, you know, everybody looks to, to, to the government, um, both on a national and a local level for support and, and leadership. Um, putting you on the spot here, um, if you had to give a mark out of 10 to both our Prime Minister and London Mayor for their performance since lockdown. Um, what, what would you mark them? And, you know, as, as a, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, et cetera, et cetera, um, and in your experience, do you, you know, what other things do they need to do? Yeah, wow. I'll try to do it in one or two minutes, if that. But um, I think um, 
I mean, the government, you know, I think going into lockdown, pretty extraordinary, wasn't it? We've never dealt with this. And I think they, they coalesced and obviously the PM was sick as well, wasn't he, during some of this? So yeah. I, I give good marks. I'm not going to give an actual number, actually, but I'll say in the higher region for the Prime Minister initially as well. I think what is challenging now is the economic and the health recovery and that balance between the economic of the country and also managing this virus that we're going to live with for such a long time. I think what we would urge the government is to, particularly on things like social distancing, uh, that the default shouldn't be two metres or one metres. We've got to have you know, really good treatments, good track and trace or excellent track and trace and a vaccine. And for any uh, chance of a recovery for retail hospitality service sector, we've got to get away from social distancing being the default. And we've got to get rid of this quarantine because actually for international visitors we've just talked about, we're not a level playing field. You know, we need our Europeans, we need our Chinese, US, Middle East to think about London not just this year, but next year when they can come back. So the quicker that goes, the better. I feel for government, though, we've had incredible access. You know, as an organisation that represents uh, the commercial heart of London, we've been talking almost daily to ministers, secretaries of state, and I think it's been the most engaged government we've ever had, actually, in the time that I've worked in, in London. I think for the mayor, uh, I think the transport, um, I think there's still some challenges and I think he understands them, but I think we need to see more on that. And we need to, if we're going to have this summer of cycling and, and walking, they're not pumping enough investment into this, you know, in terms of infrastructure and safe cycling. So we're really pushing the mayor on that. I think initially we went to lockdown, he was very quick to support the NHS and Nightingale and all those operations in London. So we give him good marks for that. But I think it's mixed messages going on still between the government and the mayor, and it doesn't help build consumer confidence and business confidence. So our big message to both is try and depoliticize, which is very difficult in a political world, but particularly we've got to give consistent and strong messages to start to build confidence. So that, that's our sort of ask right now, as we sort of get into this phase two, if you like, of the journey we're all on. Yeah, and, and um, I know it's a very topical um, point, but any views on on you know the, the congestion charge and, uh, and and making that seven days a week and you know increasing the charges? Do you think that's? Um, I think there's obviously a total understanding about wanting to reduce emissions and traffic, but then on the commercial side and getting business up and running again and reopen, um, you know that it seems it seems almost counterintuitive to sort of penalise people to you know to come back into London which is what the government has suggested we, we ought to be doing so have you got any any views on that yeah I mean it is a big thing the prime minister comes out to shop with confidence uh, the mayor says don't go out uh, go local you know so for the West End <laughs> that, that's a very mixed message look I think you're right strategically we've had incredible shifts in air quality and congestion haven't we over the three months and we know it's been a big issue for the West End and London and big cities around the world, you know, we've got to get congestion down, we've got to improve the air quality rap rapidly. So I think it's difficult because I think strategically that's where the mayor is in TfL and that's, that's what congestion charges there to do. I think the timing, particularly this summer and trying to encourage uh, obviously consumers to come back in and not get on public transport. And also for our colleagues coming back to work, they can't all cycle into the West End, you know, and they've got to find ways to come in and work in retail, hospitality, in health as well. So I think we would argue, and we have to the mayor, that actually the timing is not good for the recovery. Uh, but equally, we understand we've got to keep this journey on of air quality and improving it. So I feel, though, the mayor is quite set on this from the conversation we had this week with him personally. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see much movement. So I think we need to pivot to find other ways to get our colleagues and customers back into the West End and start to build that confidence.
Right. Um, from from my perspective as a, a commercial property agent uh, and colliers generally, you know, we're in daily contact with all the major London landlords, as you are, retailers, F and B operators. Um, what 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 do you think the message should be um, that we should be giving them really about about London being open for business? Yeah, I mean it is gradually opening and it will open uh, and obviously we're a great global capital city with huge you know, capital inflows demand i think we need to remind ourselves that the immediate challenge is cash flow and obviously um stability you know and we are open to start to build that confidence up but remind ourselves if you think about the next five ten years you know crossrail will open in central london there's going to be 150 million invested in oxford street in the next couple of years you know, guaranteed check written you're going to see a complete transformation. City planning, licensing, and all those things are changing in the centre. So there's some of those big structural capital infrastructure points. They, they are still going to continue. And actually, what this pandemic has done is probably ripped off the band-aid of some pretty structural changes we knew were coming and were happening. Uh, and I hope for your colleagues talking to investors, to occupiers, uh, to partners around the world, actually re-look again at central London it is absolutely changing and transforming and being repurposed. And take a 10 year view, obviously on your investment uh, and all, all the fundamentals are there, you know, for this to be a really successful, you know, top global retail leisure destination that's got a really strong future ahead of it. God, we've been through 300 years of change in the West End and we're gonna have another 300 years, aren't we? Uh, and actually, I think, you know, I've been interested in your views on this, Paul, we're gonna see a lot of entrepreneurship, innovation changes uh, and actually isn't the West End the best test case for some of these things to happen. Some will be great, some will succeed, some will fail, but you know, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and, and risk, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and let's get on with that risk curve. And, and uh, well, in answer to that, you know, what I'm seeing across my desk is um, absolutely what you're describing, some incredibly um, bold and uh, innovative companies who are looking at the situation now and going, uh, this is an amazing opportunity. You know, we've been wanting to get, let's say, the right retail store, the right flagship, um, but the the economics of the situation haven't been in our favour. Here is, you know, almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity to secure an amazing store on amazing terms, rebased terms, because I think everyone understands the severity of what we've we've gone through, um, and uh, get get positioned for life coming back. And 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 you know, you you. I, th I think most people realize we will get through this and you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel um and the, and life will eventually return to normal and, and, and as you said through the um the conversation we've had today if we can have um you know if we are fortunate enough to have a vaccine or we all develop herd immunity i think the 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 confidence and the boost back into into london will be absolutely immense um, but, you know, we've got to prepare, prepare for the fact that it, it may take some time. Um, but, um, but I think most people, you know, realise that global cities and particularly London, you know, have dealt with, with huge challenges over their history and uh, invariably they're incredibly resilient and they bounce back stronger. So I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, yeah. My final question, because I've taken up so much of your time for which we're very, very grateful and it's been great getting an insight in, into you as, a, as an individual. But when, when London fully reopens and, and let's hope on the 4th that all the restaurants and bars can reopen, um, where will you be making a beeline in terms of your, your favourite place to shop um, or your favourite 
eating or watering hole. Yeah, I have to say, being in last week, I was actually pleased Starbucks. I know there's a lot of Starbucks <laughs> in London, but I was pleased they were, I could get my, uh, my triple shot coffee in the morning back going again. Um, but I have to say, you know, I, I personally need to get into the Apple store and just get a new phone. So that, that's top of my list, but the queues are a bit on <laughs> Monday. Uh, but I think Harry's uh, in St. Christopher's Place is one of my, my little watering holes, a favourite of mine. Only a couple of years old, actually, you know, being there, if you know it. But uh, yeah. I, I love the buzz around there. And I think James Street, you know, around St. Christopher's Place, it's going to be pedestrianised, I think, this summer. So that's going to feel quite nice uh, being out there. So you'll find me around there, but you'll find me right across the Western. Hopefully on my electric scooter, which is currently illegal, but maybe I'll be able to ride it <laughs> <laughs> next month and get it around the West End. <laughs> Well, it's been awesome talking to you and, um, you know, I th thank you so much for being so frank and, and answering all the questions. It's, it's, it's really appreciated. And uh, I know I speak for, for all the guys at Colliers, you know, we, we, we can't wait for, for London to, you know, to reopen and get, and get back to normal. So thanks, thanks, Jace, for talking to us. Thank you. It's been great. That was really fascinating. Thanks again, Jason Paul. We're all looking forward to the safe return of retail in the West End. And I hope everybody enjoyed our first episode of the Colliers podcast. You can find details for our next episode by following on all of our usual social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at Colliers UK. See you next time.